Welcome to this episode of Christ in Prophecy. I'm Tim Moore. And I'm Nathan Jones. We're excited to launch our new Jesus in the Old Testament series. You know, Genesis and Revelation represent bookends of the Bible. They are unique because both contain revelations that could only be known by God Himself. John recorded the revelation of Jesus Christ because the Lord wanted us to understand His plan for the end of human history. Genesis documents the beginning of history, His story. We know about the creation because God, who is the only eyewitness to the beginning, tells us in the beginning God created. Although there could be no more credible source than Almighty God, His account of creation is dismissed as too spectacular and supernatural. Self-acclaimed experts would rather put their faith in the theory of evolution with its random processes and untold eons of time, or lately into this wild idea that life was planned on Earth by some unknown alien civilization. Nathan, I don't have enough faith to believe in those man-made schemes. Today we will explore Genesis 1 and 2. We'll discover that Jesus was there from the beginning, fulfilling the will of the Father. We've come to the Institute for Creation Research here in Dallas and to the wonderful Discovery Center. And I'm very glad to be able to sit down with Dr. Randy Galuza and talk about Jesus as our Creator God. Randy, thank you so much for welcoming oh, us thank to you the very Discovery much for Center. Coming. Yes, sir. Randy, I'm very fascinated that your own background that led you to become the ICR president is really fascinating. You started off as an Air Force officer and a doctor, but it was your study of God's Word that led you to understand that the creation is foundational to our faith and to everything that is revealed afterward, including the gospel itself. So tell us a little bit about how you came to understand that the creation and the Lord's testimony about the beginning itself is so foundational to Christian faith. Right, yeah, the Lord really led me on kind of a long path to come to be the president of ICR and it all started decades ago when I was a student at Moody Bible Institute. You know, I grew up believing in evolution myself. And I even went to Moody believing in evolution because what they really wanted to know is, did I have faith in Jesus Christ? And believe it or not, nobody ever talked to me about that. I, I never had anybody talk to me about the importance of creation. And one day by the Lord's providence, in the library at Moody Bible Institute, I picked up a magazine called Acts and Facts. Uh, I'm very familiar. Very familiar, and I was, a, I was an engineering major before I went to Moody, so it was, okay, this relates to science. So I took it back to one of those little cubicles in the mm -hmm. library, and I read that, and it, it wasn't a slow, gradual change. It was like, bang, an instantaneous conversion. What I read in that magazine, this was true. And there were articles about the origin of life, and there was one about how creatures had not evolved, and they were so clear, and so concise and so biblical that they convicted me right then and there on the spot. And that's when I knew the Lord was calling me into creation science ministry. I called the founder of the ministry that I now work for, Dr. Henry Morris. Yes. And he said, well, I encourage you to go back and finish your engineering degree, which I did, because he wanted me to get a little science education. Anyway, chopping ahead several decades after spending some time in the Navy. Actually, I was a Naval officer for a decade before I went into the Air Force as a civil engineer. Under the advice of Dr. Dwayne Gish, I went to medical school. The Air Force paid for that, so I spent the time in the Air Force till I retired. 
then went to work with uh, ICR the day after I retired, which was the first step to becoming president here. I spent a lot of time in the trenches doing talks and, and research and things like that until just about a year ago taking over this new job. So it was kind of a long path, but I was picking up skills and things that the Lord wanted me to have all along the way to get here. But it was the conviction that this is true, the Bible was true, and I could believe the Word of God, which was foundational, and ICR was actually helpful in doing that. Well, I think you and I resonate so well together because we have so much in common, not the least of which is our understanding that the Word of God is true from beginning to end, and really it informs everything else we know. I'm fascinated. When I go to Israel and lead pilgrimage groups, uh, we drive through or past uh, Cana, now known as the little Arab village of Kafar Cana, and I point out that Jesus' first miracle demonstrated that the wedding of Cana proved His authority over creation. And as a matter of fact, when He changed water into wine, it also proved His authority over time itself. So how does that bear into the creation story and Jesus as our Creator? Yes, it bears right into the fact of the deity of Jesus Christ and because it ties to the fact that He is God come in the flesh. And the Bible makes it very, very clear that it isn't necessarily as we say that God is the Creator. The Bible begins with, in the beginning God created. The Creator is God. And so it's setting out the, actually the foundation for the doctrine of theology, that there is a God. Who is that God? Not necessarily is what He is like, but who is He? And the Bible says He is the highest authority. It's almost like a position of rank, which you and I can relate to. Yes, sir. You know, we had wing commanders, and then there was a Secretary of Defense, and then there was the President of the United States, but the highest one is God. God. Nothing goes higher than that, and it sets forth the deity of Christ because He is the Creator, which ties right back to John chapter 1, yes. verse 1 where it says, in the beginning God created in Genesis 1-1, but the Bible begins in John 1-1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. Without mm -hmm. Him, not Him was anything made that was made. So it is tying the fact that Jesus is God come in the flesh to the fact that He is the Creator. And as you mentioned, that very first miracle at the wedding of Cana, where the Lord turned water into wine, it demonstrates the fact that He is the Creator and He is Lord over time, as you mentioned. Yes. He turned it into very good wine that would appear to be aged. But the chemical composition of wine is very, very different than water. Yeah. So He is Lord of time, space, and matter in all of those areas, which is exactly what Genesis 1-1 says as well. In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth matter. So He ties it all back and it's, it's just a testimony to the inspiration of the Bible that it goes right back to that wedding of Cana. It certainly does. I, I think it's a beautiful demonstration of Christ as not just our Savior and Lord, and, and I say just, but He is the instrument of creation. He is the person of God, the will of the Father manifest through the Son and completed even in that creative act. Amen. You know, when you look at those first two chapters of Genesis, the focus of this episode of Christ in Prophecy, God really did lay a foundation for all of human thriving. As a matter of fact, He revealed Himself as the Creator. He marked the separation between Himself and the creation. He demonstration the demonstrates the separation of man from all of the other created order, all of the other animals. Man was made in the image of God, and then He provided woman 
to be a companion for man, but obviously separate from man. So man and woman, he created them. And then he established the covenant of marriage. So of all the other relationships that we enjoy as human beings, that relationship of a marriage is special and unique, separated by God himself. And yet today, we find so many people and so much of our culture attacking all of those separations that God established to make sure that we as His image bearers could thrive. How have we gotten to where we are? Well, well you, you lay out a lot of good points. Genesis 1 is very, is very, very foundational to establishing that there is a God. Who is God? He is the creator of all things. That He is able to do the supernatural that he intervenes in his creation. You know, these are things that the secularists all deny. There isn't a God, and, and if there is, he's not involved or he's not concerned about the creation. The Bible says that is not true on all levels of that. But as you also mentioned, the first chapters in Genesis, chapters particularly one and two, set forth other foundational things as well, other than the fact that there is a creator that He did create man and woman, that He did give them together in marriage. And another one that was very important that you mentioned that begins actually in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26 to 28, is that God created man in His image, yes. in His image. Now that is really important because we know that human beings and other animals, we share a lot of the same physiology. We eat some of the same foods, our chemical processes are very, very similar. Some people could say, well, maybe we evolved from animals or maybe we're related in some way. And you know, we even share some of the same behaviors. Some animals have emotions very similar to human beings. So if we have some of the same emotions, we have some of the same physiology, what really makes us different than animals? What is it that makes us human? And what makes us human is what you mentioned. We have the image of God. The image of God is really what makes us human. Animals don't possess that, and it is something that is probably immaterial. It's a quality that we have that we can actually know and understand our Creator. We can enter into a relationship with Him. As, as much as we love our dogs, they, they, can't, they can't know and understand their Creator. They cannot enter into a relationship with Him like we can. That's what makes us human. And that's what gives us our value. You know, in Genesis chapter 9, it says, you will not kill because we are made in the image of God. And the book of James picks it up and says, don't even curse your fellow man because they're made in the image of God. So it is what makes us human and it really is what establishes our worth and value that we are not to misuse and abuse one another. Beautifully said. You know, it's fascinating to me that to understand that concept that we are more even than our material selves. I asked my children as they were growing up, what makes me, me, or, or you know, any one of us who we are? I said, if I cut off my arms or my legs or if I was disfigured, is it still me? And they, they grappled with it and they said, yes, Dad, it, it's still you. And I said, so what makes me who I am is not just what you see or just what you interact with. There's something special, a quality of that relational that we have, and that's exactly what we have with God when we're in a right relationship with Him, obviously. And yet, those are the foundational truths that are being undermined, again, in our culture. And it's, it's so sad that our Christian nation has become a post-Christian society, and the secular humanists want to proclaim that there is no Creator God. Perhaps we descended either from apes or were planted here by aliens. That's one of their latest theories, crazy as it is. And they would 
assert that man is no different than the animals and actually descended from them, which is an affront to our God and His testimony of creation. And they, as you said, uh, men and women not, are not necessarily biologically unique in every way, shape, and form, but how have we gotten to the point of saying that marriage is optional, that uh, functionality of men and women can be interchanged? And again, how have we strayed so far from what was once universally understood, at least in the Christian West? Yes. You know, that, that actually goes right back to the beginning as well. And in, in this particular case, we would turn to the book of Romans chapter 1 where Paul is going to tell us that invisible things of God are clearly seen being understood by the things that He has made, or in other words, His workmanship. Yes, sir. When I look at you and you look at me, we see evidences of engineering, we see evidences of design, we see evidences of that workmanship which is very, very clear. It's very clearly seen. That's in verse 20, but then by the time Paul gets down to verse 25, he says, but they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. In other words, they exchanged something. As you mentioned, it was right. They exchanged the true Creator God that Paul is talking about for, literally in the Greek, the false, the false God. And in this particular case, the false God is nature, where they begin to worship nature because they begin to worship and serve in a, in a religious sense, the creation more than its creator God. Yes. That's where we that's where we strayed today, and there's like scientific backing behind this, that um, somehow nature in some way gives life. Nature somehow gives life to to everything that's been on this planet, and then nature brings about the diversity of life. So rather than God creating nature. The view that dominates the scientific world today is that nature somehow creates itself. Nature created itself in the Big Bang. Nature creates life. Nature creates the diversity of life. Therefore, why shouldn't we worship nature and look to nature? And the moment we begin to look away from the Creator God to worship and serve that which He has created, we have gone down a major path, path of rebellion, yes. of which the fruits the rejection of marriage, the rejection of all the standards that we have for society. The, re the rejection of biological difference between the biological men and women. differences, Just which is, the, uh, yeah, especially today. Yes. That all stems back to this militant rebellion against the Creator. And in this particular case, the Creator is the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have a worldview which is dead set opposed to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that goes back scientifically to what they argue for the creation of the world through Big Bang and then through the evolution of life. But in the Gospel, Jesus affirmed the validity of all these foundational truths that we've just been talking about, and Paul left no doubt that Jesus Himself fulfilled the will of the Father by creating. He is the agent of creation. You better believe He is. In the book of Colossians chapter 1 sets that forth very, very clearly that by Him all things were created. That he, and, and Paul concludes that He is the image of the invisible Father by the fact that He is the Creator and Redeemer of all things. And the Lord Jesus Christ, as you rightly recognized, God come in the flesh, He affirmed these foundational truths that there yes. was a creation, that there was a worldwide flood. You remember in the book of Matthew when the Pharisees came and said, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Is it lawful for this kind of divorce? And the Lord takes him right back to the beginning and says, have you not read? 
Yes. Have you not read that from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female? And that's going right back to Genesis chapter one. And then picking up in Genesis chapter two, he says that he brought them together and what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Amen. That's in Matthew chapter 19. Then a few chapters later in Matthew chapter 24, when he's talking about the end times, your area of expertise, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the, in the end times when the Son of Man is coming back. He refers right back to Noah. Mm. Paul referred to the, the first Adam, the second Adam. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, which I think is, it was Paul himself, he in chapter 11, he talked about Noah built an ark to the saving of his house. Peter picks up on that same thing in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says that the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. So you have the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul, Peter, other apostles, all affirming these foundational truths. All testifying. And, and you know, the Lord Himself is the, the testifier to the beginning. Many people say, well, we can't know what happened at the beginning. If we believe God, who was there and who testified throughout the totality of Scripture, then we will understand. And yet it is a rejection of God. And so I've been speaking lately about Abraham and how he was credited with righteousness because he believed God. Well, God has given the testimony, not only in Genesis, but throughout the New Testament and through the mouth of Jesus Himself that He is the Creator. Here's how He did it. Do we believe it? Amen. Well, I personally love the materials that ICR distributes and the insights you offer from Acts and Facts to all the other wonderful products and, and publications and even the video series and everything else. And you stress that acceptance of God's own testimony regarding the, cre the creation is critical for those who claim to follow Christ. In fact, the creation account is absolutely linked to the gospel itself. We'll talk about the fall next week, but tell us how does the creation become foundational to understanding the gospel? Yes, you have to go right back to the book of Genesis, actually Genesis chapters one, two, and three, mm -hmm. where in a nutshell, it says this, man was created man disobeyed. So there was a real man who brought in real sin, bringing in real death and judgment, meaning that we needed a real savior mm. on all of that. That is what's foundational. And then you pick up in Genesis chapter three, where the serpent came in, deceived Eve, Adam rebelled. It brought that judgment in. And it is foundational to the to the gospel. And the fact is everything was good in the beginning. There wasn't evolution with billions and millions of years, millions and billions of years of death and destruction. All was good when created by God. And that belies the, the false claim of evolution as exactly. well. Exactly. And so you bring in the fact that yes, there was death. So the Bible says, the Lord said, the day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And that is when death was going to come to human beings. Paul picked right up with that in Romans chapter five, for he says, for as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So that is the beginning of death. And of course you can hear someone say, well, that might've just only been human death. Maybe it was an animal death, but Paul extends that in Romans chapter eight, where he says the whole creation was subject to vanity and as awaiting this adoption and glorious liberation from the curse, just like human beings are as well. Paul picks up on that in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, there was the first Adam who brought death, and the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, was a life-giving spirit. So in terms of the gospel, Tim, there's really only two groups of people, those who are still in Adam, lost and without hope in this world, 
and under the condemnation of Adam's sin and those who are in Christ, redeemed, born again, and their sins have been paid for by His work on the Christ. Amen. You're either still in Adam or you're now in Christ. Randy, obviously coming here to the Discovery Center is such a thrill for me and for anyone who loves to see all the beauty of the creation as God intended it and how the creation story bears on our faith as believers. So I would encourage our viewers to bring their children and their grandchildren here to the Discovery Center. It's very close to the airport here at Dallas. But how can our viewers connect with ICR to get your materials and to stay plugged in to all the things that you're sharing on a day-to-day -day basis? Wow, thank you very much. Well, I would encourage you to go to our website, that's the easiest way, icr.org. That's kind of like the gateway to finding anything that you might want. There's two things that would help you get to know us better. One is the little tab called Publications. We send out, as you've received for many, many years, yes. a free magazine. Donors make it available. It's a free magazine that talks on current issues of science and faith. It is absolutely essential for you your children and for older ones, your grandchildren to keep them equipped. And if anybody would like us to come to their church, they can go to our webpage and click on the events tab and that will get you in the door to setting up an event that we could do at your church. ICR.org is the link to getting in. Well, I can't share uh, with enough enthusiasm how much I have appreciated ICR throughout the years. Dr. Henry Morris wrote a tremendous book on Revelation, and as we even like to say, Henry Morris himself said, Revelation isn't hard to understand, it's hard to believe. Just as the creation account is for those who do not have awareness through the Holy Spirit. But once you believe, once the Lord illuminates your heart, then it is much easier to understand. The critical aspect is belief, Amen. whether in the creation, whether in the final culmination of human history Amen. as revealed in Revelation. So we testify to the Lord Jesus Christ as our Creator, and we encourage all who are watching today to put your faith in Him Amen. and believe God's own testimony. So I just want to thank you again. Our hearts are, are in a common mode because not only of our Air Force heritage and our love of the Lord, but for our love of His revealed Word. So Randy, for you and your team here at ICR, again, for the wonderful Discovery Center, I am very grateful and I just praise the Lord for all that you're doing. And for you too. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Godspeed. The great lie of evolution scoffingly contradicts God's testimony about creation. Charles Darwin's theory systematized a set of ideas regarding incremental changes in plants and animals based on old earth assumptions. He postulated that all creatures evolved from lower life forms over eons of time through countless cycles of death and what he phrased natural selection. Although he could never explain how the first life forms arose, his idea appealed to those who wanted an alternative to the biblical narrative. Advocates still contend it offers a plausible explanation for the diversity of life. Ignoring the law of entropy, they think that given enough time, genetic progress could happen through random mutations. The drive towards secularism only accelerated the embrace of this atheistic theory in Western society. The belief that nature could somehow select only the fittest members of any species gave rise to the pseudoscience of eugenics and led to genocide, horrific racial abuse, and the Holocaust. In recent years, scientists like the ones at ICR have proven all the presuppositions of evolution to be false. 
Darwin thought individual cells were mere blobs of tissue. He did not have the technology to delve into the mechanisms within each cell that are irreducibly complex. He did not understand the complex relationships between many plants and animal species that would prevent one from surviving without the other. And he did not have all the evidence we have that the Earth is not, in fact, billions of years old. Real scientists have quietly moved away from this discredited theory. And yet, evolution is still preached at every governmental school and many Christian institutions as well. Old Earth assumptions are still presented as factual, and the Bible account is dismissed as foolish and irrelevant. This is a tragic sign of the times because it demonstrates the foolishness of a world determined to reject God. Fulfilling Peter's prophecy, scoffers reject the testimony of God and the promise of Jesus' coming. Instead of worshiping the Creator, many in our own society deify nature as a whole. Speaking to the unbelieving world, Paul said they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who was blessed forever. Your children and grandchildren are being told that the Bible is full of myths, legends, and superstitions, while the science of evolution, which educational elites don't even refer to it as a theory anymore, is the unchallengeable mantra of modernity. Many are accepting Satan's lies and turning away from our Creator. Take care that you guard the hearts and the minds of the ones you love, lest they be given over, in the words of Paul, and led away from God to destruction. Wow, Tim, the Discovery Center looks like a wonderful place to visit. It certainly is. You know, Genesis sets the stage for everything that follows. Before anything existed, God was. He is the eternal I Am, outside of time and above the natural cosmos. Everything that exists began as an idea in the mind of God. Genesis, with an authorship attributed to Moses, is the record of history as revealed by the only witness who was present from the beginning, Almighty God. We refer to that portion of Scripture that came before Jesus' first advent as the Old Testament. It was written by a variety of inspired authors, but that term conveys the realization that the Old Testament is a unified testimony. And in other words, it is God's meta-narrative, His overarching story. And Jesus is there from the very beginning. The New Testament explains that Jesus Christ was the author of creation, the Word of God who was present with God in the beginning because He was God. Scientists cannot explain why subatomic particles just don't fly apart. But Paul tells us that all things continue to hold together by His power. Jesus holds the universe together. As we close this week's episode of Christ in Prophecy, I hope you've selected a key verse that sums up the wonder of God's creative act and the special status of the creatures who share His image. Frankly, there are several that stand out to us from this foundational passage in Scripture. If you go to our website, you can click on a link each week where we'll discuss each episode, for instance, offering insight on the other verses that would qualify as key verses. But for this section of Genesis, we've chosen Genesis 1-1, In the beginning, God created. Ponder the fact that God said every created thing from light and darkness to sun and moon and stars to plants and birds and fish and creatures covering the earth was good. In the whole, He said that the creation He put in motion was very good. And because we interpret the Bible literally, we here are young earth advocates. Once again, we're not adamant about specific years or dates, but we placed the creation somewhere about 6,000 years ago. Next week, we will build on this creation foundation by exploring the tragic implications of the fall of mankind. We'd encourage you to read Genesis 3 and 4 and consider what verse captures that earth-shattering moment in human history. Look for Jesus in that passage of Scripture and see how God telegraphs His plan of salvation from the moment man is separated from Him by sin. 
For now, this is Tim Moore and Nathan Jones saying, look up, be watchful, for the author of creation is drawing near.